Let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, Lord, we thank you for your presence and ask you to open our hearts that we may hear what the Spirit will say in the midst of the preaching. I pray a blessing upon other life-giving churches. And I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you, especially for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith. Draw them back to you, Lord. Don't let one of them be lost. I pray these things in the only name that matters, that matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I heard about a man who was writing at the post office desk when he was approached by an older fellow who had a postcard in his hand. The old man said, sir, would you please address this postcard for me? The man gladly did so. Then he agreed to write a short message on the postcard, and he even signed it for the man too. Finally, the man doing the writing said to the older gentleman, now is there anything else I can do for you? The old fellow thought for a moment, and then he said, yes, at the end, could you just put P.S., please excuse the sloppy handwriting? <laughs> in just a few days, we're going to be celebrating the Thanksgiving holiday in this country. But the truth of the matter is that we live in a time in which gratitude is rarely expressed. As we prepare to enter this special time of year, there's a truth I want to impress upon you. If you want to live the happy life, if you want to live the productive life, if you want to live the achieving life, then somewhere along the line, you're going to have to take seriously the instructions of God's Word and learn the blessings that come from being thankful. If you're going to make it, if you're going to get to that desired place of abiding joy and peace, then you're going to have to learn what it means to be thankful. And then you're going to have to learn how to extend this spirit of thanksgiving beyond one day out of the year and turn it into a daily habit. You're going to have to have an attitude adjustment because as I've been telling you for the last couple of weeks, Attitude is altitude. If you want the overcoming life, then you're going to have to turn thanksgiving into thanks living. In the text for the message from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says that if you want to live the happy life, then you need to learn to live it like this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, right there is a tremendous outline for living when you stop and think about it. What these verses tell us is that this business of being thankful really is an attitude. An attitude, by definition, is a translation of inward feelings into outward action. It's a translation of covert feelings into overt action. It's taking your feelings and putting them into appropriate behavior. So when you look at the text, the first thing it would say is that if you're going to turn thanksgiving into thanks living, then what you need to have is a perpetual attitude of praise. When Paul writes 
rejoice always, he's talking about praise. To the church in Colossae, Paul wrote in Colossians 3 and 1, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Then in the next verse he wrote, set your mind on the things above because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. If you could begin to understand that this is really what praise is, what a difference it would make, setting your heart and your mind on things above. Not only looking at what is the worst that can happen, but turning it all around and looking at what is the best that can happen. See, Paul writes in the text to rejoice always. When the Bible uses this word rejoice or joy, it isn't talking about temporary euphoria. It isn't talking about a fleeting, pleasant sensation. Instead, when the Bible talks about joy, it's talking about a sense of imperturbable gladness, regardless of what the circumstances are. Now, think for a moment about who it is that's writing the words, rejoice always. Paul, as you remember, wound up giving his life for Jesus. He was beheaded at Nero's chopping block on account of his faith. When he was in the midst of the prison experience, he wrote to the Christian believers at Philippi and said in Philippians 4 and 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Now you think about that. Here was a man under indictment for being a good man and doing good things for the kingdom of God. Here was a man waiting for an undeserved death penalty. Here was a man who was going to be beheaded because of his love and his ministry for Christ. And he writes, with that sword hanging over his head, literally, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Most of you will remember from your history classes in school how this day of Thanksgiving we're going to celebrate first came about as a holiday for our country. There had been days of Thanksgiving celebrated before, but it was officially declared a national holiday in 1863. It was during that terrible time of civil war in this country, north against south, brother against brother, family against family, that President Abraham Lincoln declared a national holiday to be called Thanksgiving. Every fourth Thursday in the month of November, all the wheels of commerce were to cease and this nation was to bow its knees and give thanks to God for the many blessings it had received. Think about that. How in the middle of a civil war that is tearing the country apart can we maintain an attitude of praise? How can the Apostle Paul in prison waiting to be executed maintain an attitude of praise? How can you and I today, when the job is terminated and the bills are going unpaid and the kids are rebelling and the illness is taking its toll and the pressure seems to be coming from all sides at the same time, how can we maintain an attitude of praise? The answer is that praise is not a response to feelings. Praise is not a response to surrounding circumstances. Praise is a decision of faith. 
That's the reaction of Job in the Old Testament when he was sitting on the ash heap, scraping the sores on his body with a broken shard of pottery. All his property has been stolen. All his children have been killed. His wife is disgusted with him and tells him to just curse God and die. Job's response to all that adversity is to bow before the Lord and say in chapter 1, verse 21, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away Blessed be the name of the Lord. This decision of praise is what the psalmist is singing about in Psalm 34 and 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This is what the prophet means when he sings in Habakkuk 3, verses 17 and 18. Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines... Though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flocks should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. You know, that's what Paul and Silas were doing in the Philippian jail. They'd been beaten. They'd been put in the stocks. The prison doors had been locked. But at midnight, they began to sing songs of praise unto the Lord. And the reason they could do that is because praise isn't dependent upon blue skies and pleasant circumstances. Praise is a decision of faith and a determination of your will. The reason this kind of praise is possible is because the God we serve, we've we've sung about it all morning long. The God we serve is bigger than any adversity, bigger than any tragedy, bigger than any problem life can throw at you. When you truly trust the Lord, then when the pantry is full, you can praise him. And when the cupboard is bare, you can still praise him. When the wind is filling your sails and you're cruising through life, you can praise him. And when the storms threaten to capsize your vessel, you can still praise him. If you're going to turn thanksgiving into thanks living, then you're going to have to develop a perpetual attitude of praise. And that comes from an unshakable confidence that the Lord is going to see you through regardless of what comes your way. Now, as Paul goes on, he not only says to rejoice always, but he also says to pray continually. He's talking about a perpetual attitude of prayer. We talk today about burning out. We talk about running out of gas. We talk about having a nervous breakdown. We talk about being depressed and anxious and worried. We're interested in stress management. We have all kinds of terms that we use when people shut down and become immobilized. Here we are with everything to make us happy, and yet nothing seems to make us happy. Maybe it's because we've forgotten that we can't live in this kind of world by ourselves. Maybe it's because we've lost sight of the fact that we were never intended to make it on our own. But we need something bigger and more powerful than we are to handle the pressures of this age. The key, according to the Bible, is to pray continually. Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, that people ought always to pray and not to faint. James 5, 16 says that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much, or another translation says, has much power. Now, you may be here today and feel like you have to reach up just to touch bottom. You may feel like you're under the heap and there's no way out. You may feel like the pressure you're under is more than you can bear. 
Maybe you feel like your sadness is too great to handle. I want you to know that as you develop that perpetual attitude of prayer, then you're going to discover that your prayer will give you the energy and the power to be an overcomer and to live the victorious life with a thankful heart. See, when you pray, you give God access into your life, and you give him the opportunity to turn tragedy into triumph. It's in prayer that you give God the opportunity to turn a mess into a miracle. What I've discovered is that when I live with a perpetual attitude of prayer, you know, I don't always have to be on my knees crying out to God, oh, God, I need you now. You know, I just walk around my day, and every, all of my day is just lived in his presence. What I've discovered is that when I live with a perpetual attitude of prayer, then sometimes that prayer works and it effectively changes the circumstances of my life. See, sometimes I pray and God supernaturally comes down and turns everything around and I'm able to say, well, praise the Lord, God has solved the problem. Anybody ever had God do that for you? Other times... I have found that when I live with a perpetual attitude of prayer, that instead of changing my circumstances and instead of miraculously solving all the problems, God is able to work in my life in such a way that I am changed. He's usually going to work on the end that needs the most help. When I am changed, then the problems that seemed so big before aren't nearly as big now. When I am changed, then the pressure no longer gets to me the way it used to. When I am changed, I don't dwell on the negatives. When I am changed, I don't find myself bogged down and handicapped and defeated. See, when you live in that attitude of prayer, then you allow God to work on whichever end needs the most work. You allow God to perform and complete his perfect will, knowing that whatever he does is best for everyone concerned. Most of us have this tendency to get so bent out of shape when the problems of life come against us. And when we do, we get so busy rebuking our cross and trying to get out of the problem that we fail to see that God's hand is still at work, even in the darkness of our difficulty. Come on, somebody. You need to remember that God does not permit trials into your life to destroy you. Trials are not there to drive a wedge between you and God. Here you are in the middle of a really bad situation, and you think God's gone on a far journey and left you to fend for yourself. You think he's abandoned you. You think he's forgotten you. Hear me today. God is not out to do you in. Listen to James 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now, i got to be honest with you. If I could take a, an exacto knife and cut out those parts that I don't really want to hear, that's one, that's one of those verses I would just cut out. You know, just, nope, don't need that one. Thank you very much. But it's there, so we have to deal with it. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. And some of you ladies think, well, he said brethren, so that excludes me. No, no, no. It's an all-inclusive term. Come on, ladies. <laughs> Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. 
And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, the Apostle Paul had a handle on something that's so important for us to learn. He had a tremendous prayer life. Because of his prayer life, he was able to face up to everything that came his way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, he writes these words. And I like the way the J.B. Phillips version renders it. We are hard-pressed on all sides, but we are never frustrated. We are puzzled, but never in despair. We are persecuted, but never deserted. We may be knocked down, but we are never knocked out. And in verse 16, he adds, this is the reason why we never lose heart. The outward man does indeed suffer wear and tear, but every day the inward man receives fresh strength. But does that sound like something anybody would like to have? Fresh strength daily? It happens by the perpetual attitude of prayer. Pray continuously. See, that's what plugs you into the power source and enables you to stand when everything around you is falling apart. That's what can turn your life around and make you a new person and can give you a new ability to do things you never thought you could do. That's what's going to keep your heart steady and your mind settled. That's what's going to keep you moving forward instead of stalling out. It's that perpetual attitude of prayer. If you want to develop a new attitude that takes you to a new altitude, if you want to turn your thanksgiving into thanks living, then you need a perpetual attitude of praise and a perpetual attitude of prayer. There's one more. It's a perpetual attitude of productivity. In verse 18 of our text, there are those words, in everything. That's another part I'd like to just kind of excise. The Amplified Bible says it like this. Thank God in everything. No matter what the circumstances may be, be thankful and give thanks. That speaks to us of productivity. No matter what happens, you be thankful. You continue in thanksgiving. You make thanksgiving such a lifestyle that it becomes thanks living. You see, when you have the attitude of anger and rage, and bitterness, and malice, and slander, and resentment, and all those things that go along with the negatives, then you're not productive. You just stew in your juices. You lose your ability to function and do the things God created you to do. You lose your ability to be the kind of person He would have you to be. What He wants you to learn is how to really be productive. And that can only happen when you learn to translate your thanksgiving into thanks living. Listen, listen. God has something wonderful in mind for your life. Some of you be glad to know that today. He has this plan of working in you and forming you and fashioning you until you are formed into the very image of his own son, the Lord Jesus. As long as you're ruled by your emotions... As long as you're ruled by what other people say about you or do to you, then there are going to be days when you'll be king of the hill, and then there will be other days when you'll be a wreck. There will be some days you will be invincible, and then there will be other days when the slightest breeze will blow you over. On the other hand, when you are a child of God, 
then you need to know that at all times, in every situation, God is still at work in your life. Just because you're getting knocked around in the crucible of life doesn't mean that God has forgotten you. Just because you're not riding the fair winds of emotional excitement doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. You know how it is. Sometimes we, go, we come to church and go through all the routine of worship. We sing the songs. We pray the prayers. We clap when everybody else claps. We listen to the sermon. And when we leave, we don't feel any different than when we came in. Everybody else got excited, but we didn't feel anything. Everybody else seemed to feel God, but it just kind of washed past us. Anybody ever been there? Some of you are probably there this morning. Sometimes that happens because you aren't really in the kind of relationship you need to be with the Lord in order to sense His presence. Sometimes that happens because you're so preoccupied with other things and that your busyness of life has become a weight that drags you down from the most important thing of seeking His face and abiding in His presence. Sometimes you're just bored because it has all become so predictable and routine and you're looking for something new and exciting. You don't quite know what that is, but you go searching for it anyway. And I want you to know, when you approach worship with that kind of attitude, when your worship experience is judged solely on the feeling you get, when your worship experience is more about what you get out of it than being pleasing and obedient to God, then your worship is essentially carnal. It's self-centered. And you'll never find that elusive it that you're seeking. Maybe you feel like the power has gone out of your prayers. Maybe you feel like the excitement has gone out of your worship. Maybe you feel like the Lord is distant and unapproachable. Maybe you are carrying around a deep sadness that seems inconsolable. The Lord would have you to know this day that it is not your feelings that dictate your relationship with Him. Instead, it is His unbreakable Word, which is an everlasting covenant with you. And because of that, it is not your feelings that ought to dictate your thanksgiving and praise. Instead, it is your faith that dictates your thanksgiving and praise. It is your thanksgiving and praise, then, that dictates to your feelings. Regardless of how it feels, regardless of how it looks, regardless of what the circumstances indicate, you need to know that God is still present. God is still with you. God is still working in your life. God is still paying attention to your need. God is still looking out for your welfare. God is still on the throne. He has decreed a word for your life, and that word is good. It is. You, you may be down today, but I'm here to tell you, help is on the way. This present adversity is nothing more than a way for you to demonstrate faith. Your weakness is an opportunity for God's glory and God's beauty to be revealed. Somewhere down the line, watch this, somewhere down the line, God is going to use your story for his glory. See, you should have gone under. You should have been shipwrecked. You should have fallen apart. You should have given up. You should have been destroyed. 
but you held on to God. And when you couldn't hold on to God any longer, you discovered God was holding on to you. He was faithful. His mercy never failed. His grace was enough. His strength was manifested in your weakness. When you couldn't go another step, he carried you. I'm telling you, there is not one trial, not one difficulty, not one setback, not one disappointment, not one tragedy that is wasted in the economy of God. Somewhere down the line, God is going to use all the pieces of your story for his glory. Hallelujah. If you came to this service looking for some answers, that may just be exactly what you need to hear. You see, there are some people who will only turn to God when all other strings break. Only when the bottom drops out and there are no other alternatives. That's when some people turn to him. But the good news is, no matter when you come to him, you will always find that he is faithful. Though we are faithless, he is faithful. He's always waiting to receive you with open arms. He's ready to renew your life and once more put you back on the road to productivity through the power of his Holy Spirit. As I bring this message to a close, let me ask you, have you spent all your energy? Have you come to the end of your abilities? Have you exhausted all your resources? Are you at the point of giving up? Giving up on the job? Giving up on the relationship? Giving up on the church? Giving up on God? I want to remind you that Jesus is present right now wherever you are. Whatever is going on in your life, he is here to give you a new spirit and a new hope and a new help. I want to pray for you today for a new attitude. Because attitude is altitude. I want to pray that a new attitude of praise and a new attitude of prayer will be generated in your life. That you'll be able to see beyond the present adversity to what God is ultimately doing in your life. I want to pray that you'll get a fresh insight. That you'll have a renewed faith to keep going. To keep praising. To keep thanking. That new joy and peace and productivity will be released as you put into practice these simple principles. And you move from thanksgiving into a lifestyle of thanks living. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, I come to you now with a thankful heart, a spirit of thanksgiving. I thank you for the opportunity you give to come to you to be renewed in spirit, mind, soul, and body. And I ask you to touch this person who shares with me in this prayer right now. As we confess our sins and repent of our sins, asking forgiveness, we come believing you and trusting you now to make changes in our lives. Out of weakness, bring strength. Out of repression, bring happiness. Out of fear, bring faith. Out of hate, bring love. May the transforming power of your spirit fill our hearts. 
I pray this in the only name that matters. The matchless name of your Son, our Savior and Lord, Jesus. Amen. Stand with me, please.